This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So when do you think we were here last, do you think? I mean, it's got to have been like 2019, right? December 2019. Oh, my God. When we would, like, we used to have lunch here. We'd be like, let's have a Katsuya lunch, like, weekly. I know. The question is, how much money have we saved not coming here since 2019? A lot. Yes. A lot of money has not been spent on crispy rice with spicy tuna. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in Ojai, right outside Los Angeles. And with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. Today, we're going to talk about why it is important to have a point of view. We'll also go behind the episode and talk about the two Fantasy Island episodes that aired this week, The Big Five O and The Romance and the Bromance. Then we've got an athletic amplify, and this week's Hollywood hack is practical, but very helpful for your wardrobe. Yes, but Sarah, before we dive in, I just want to remind our listeners that they can watch Fantasy Island every week on Fox, but also if you miss it, watch on Hulu. And those live plus three and plus seven numbers really help us. So please watch Fantasy Island. Yes, those numbers are huge. And if you want to put it on before you leave the house and just let it run all day, that's cool too. (laughs) Okay, Sarah, it is time for From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And this week, it's points of view. Have one. Yes, have one. Yes, we've talked a lot about points of view, but as we go through this process of making a show, we're reminded again and again, like at every stage, how useful it is to be surrounded by people who have their own point of view. Yes. Now, Liz, we should clarify what we mean, because we don't just mean an opinion. I mean, having an opinion is great, fully support having an opinion, but it's it's a larger thing. Like having a point of view is more sort of having a way of looking at things that comes from your own personal individual experience. It's beyond just like an opinion about a particular thing. Yeah. And it can also be almost having a vision. Like, for instance, if you take it from like a wardrobe perspective, when we meet with a potential wardrobe person like Allison Fanger, for instance, uh, who we've worked with a couple of times, you want someone to come in with a point of view about, okay, what should the wardrobe be for this show? 
And it really can be like a vision because, you know, you and I like clothes, but we don't have a vision when it comes to wardrobe most of the time. So we're looking for someone not to just say, well, what do you want? And I'll execute it. I want to please you. I'll do whatever you want. We want someone to come in and say, hey, I think the show is going to come alive if the characters look like this, if we have this color palette. And then we can respond to it. That doesn't mean we have to always accept it, but it gives us something to respond to. Yes. Like, this is one of the things I really love about our casting director, Mark Rutman. He has a strong point of view. Sometimes I agree with it. Sometimes I don't. I would say most of the time I agree with it. But he's going to be very clear about what he thinks about a certain role and about who would be a great person for a certain role. And sometimes it's not at all what I would have thought. Right. And I think it's like a lot of times people are scared to have a point of view because they think, well, if my point of view doesn't match the person who's hiring or my boss, then they're not going to like me, you know, and that will be problematic. But in fact, having a point of view makes you a million times more valuable than someone who doesn't have a point of view. Yeah. And I I have to acknowledge that people who feel that way, sometimes they're right. I mean, there are bosses who just want to be bowed down to and like, oh, you're so brilliant. And so read the room for sure, because sometimes people do want that. But better bosses don't want that. They really want people who are going to come in and express their own point of view, even as we were saying, even if it's not something that they totally agree with. Like, I think about Mina Magruder, who is our production designer on Fantasy Island. She will come in with a design for a room, and I'll be like, well, I don't think that's it. And what's great about people with a point of view is they feel so kind of confident in what they're doing that they can integrate input and adjust and turn it into something better. Yes. Like, I always find that with Mina. Absolutely. And then, Sarah, we also have to talk about our point of view, of course, on a project. I mean, when we pitch, that is what we are bringing, right? Our particular point of view, our take, our vision. And in fact, when we were selling our take of Fantasy Island to Fox, we did a whole extra pitch. After our first pitch, we did a second pitch just on our point of view. (laughs) Yes, And it's interesting because sometimes it's hard to, as a writer, really enunciate your point of view because you think it's so clear. Yes. But we did. We did it for about 10 solid minutes. Yes, we did. (laughs) (laughs) And it worked because they picked it it up to series. Yes. And I think part of why I depend so much on other people having a point of view is sometimes I legitimately don't have a point of view. This often happens with music. I am not a musical person, as you know, I'm tone deaf. So it is so helpful to me when our composer or our music supervisor says, I think this song would be great because it matches the mood and the lyrics aren't fighting. And then at the end, it goes out in a perfect way, as opposed to just sending a bunch of songs. Like, it's really helpful when someone who is knowledgeable brings that knowledge to whatever task is at hand. Yes, absolutely. And then the other important point about having a point of view is that it's genuine. Like, it really has to be how you genuinely feel. I think some people 
just feel like they have to take a position or they do the devil's advocate thing, that I think can be obstructive. Right. That's pushing the boulder down the hill. Exactly. That is pushing the boulder down the hill. A real point of view and a real vision is always pushing the boulder up the hill. Yes. Even if everybody doesn't agree, it's (laughs) helpful. And I think, you know, we're talking about this in terms of making television, but I can't imagine, Sarah, that this wouldn't apply to every job on the planet. Absolutely. And for anyone who's going out looking for a job, before you walk in the room, really for yourself, nail down what your point of view is, because it will definitely make you a stronger and more appealing candidate, at least anywhere that you actually do want to go work. (laughs) Well, and I think the thing is that it shows interest. I mean, I think one thing, it just shows that you care at the most base level. Forget just how helpful it is. It also just shows that you're thinking about it and you're not just going through the motions. Right. Totally. So POV, have one. Coming up, we go behind the episodes this week of Fantasy Island. Okay, Liz, it is time for our behind the episode segment where we go behind the scenes of Fantasy Island and talk about the episode that aired this week, although this week two episodes aired. Yes. On Sunday, the Big 5-0 aired, which was our big Melrose Place reunion episode, the most delightful episode of television in my (laughs) career. And then on Tuesday, the romance and the bromance. Yes. Which was really fun because it starred Rosalind Sanchez's husband, Eric Winter, in one of the stories. Yes. So, Sarah, we should talk about, so you and I are huge Melrose Place fans, right? Yes, yes. And we had pitched this episode to Fox, which was three female friends come to the island to celebrate their 50th birthdays. They each have a fantasy, and then, you know, the fantasies crisscross. And we, you know, of course, pitched what the fantasies were. Fox was really excited about it. And Charlie, one of our main executives, said, hey, what if we get the women of Melrose Place to star as these three friends? And you and I were just like, oh, my God, could we make that happen? (laughs) Uh, We were so excited. And Charlie was like, let's try. And the casting department pulled it off. So we had a character of Nettie played by Laura Layton. We had Margot played by Daphne Zuniga and Camille played by Josie Bissett. Yes. And I have to say, when we went to set, And they were there. We went for a bar scene. So if you saw the episode and they're sitting in the bar and like Daphne and Laura are in these pink dresses and Josie's in this black dress. I was just like, I can't believe this is happening. Like, here we are. We're standing with the Melrose Place ladies looking totally insanely amazing. And they're doing Fantasy Island. Like it was kind of an out of body thing. I know. It was such a career highlight. And as you said, we absolutely love the script. You have story by credit, and Adria Lang, our co-EP, wrote the script. And it's just one of our favorite things we've ever done, because I think it is so much about female friendship. And of course, that is one of our main areas of interest in life. 
And the truth is in TV, yes, there's sex in the city and there are obviously shows about female friendship, but it is not something you and I have got to spend a lot of time exploring. No, not at all. And then I think also their individual stories really hit close to home. Resonated. Yeah, absolutely. Especially, obviously, for me, Daphne Zuniga's story, I was just like, I so identify with this woman who just... All she wants is to rest because she has young kids and she's just doing everything. And like every time we talked about this story, I would be like on the verge of tears. Yeah. Um, I I really loved that story. Yeah. So this episode, if you have not watched any Fantasy Island and you're going to go to Hulu and watch something, watch watch this one and then watch all the rest as well. Yes. And we also, Liz, have to say it was directed by the amazing Diana Valentine, who just like... I mean, not only did she kill it, she made it look easy. I know. And yeah, Sarah, I should also mention, this episode was the source of one of the most mortifying moments of our career, which is you and I walked into a shot. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. We were there. Awful. We, I think we may have even talked about it on the podcast. We were mortified of all people on set who should know not to walk into the middle of a shot. (laughs) Like the ADs were like waving their arms at us. And we were yelling. Yes. And we were completely oblivious. So that's the other funny thing. When I see that scene, I imagine us just traipsing into the shot. Not a care in the world horrifying in our defense we got some like email or phone call that we had to like deal with and respond to you know immediately and it just so we just oh but still mortifying so that that's a fun episode and then on tuesday we had a a double hit of fantasy island on tuesday we had another (laughs) awesome episode which is my favorite title of the season which is the romance and the bromance And it was written by Mary Molina and Adam Belanoff. And I will read the description. A bookworm who wants to say yes to life goes back in time to meet her favorite author. A competitive survivalist finds the ultimate challenge is something he hasn't trained for. And one really fun thing about this that we mentioned is that the survivalist is played by Eric Winter, who happens to be Roz's husband. Yes, we knew that he was in town because he's a regular on The Rookie. And we were like, we have to have him in an episode. He's so great. And we were like, okay, we got to make this work. Somehow we need like the story to align with the time that he's here. We're going to figure this out. And somehow it all happened. And he was so great. I mean, he <laughs> he had probably the most physically grueling story yes. of our season. For sure. But he handled it like a champ. Yes. And it was really fun to watch him and Roz in scenes together. And then their other story, Sarah, is sort of like a period romance with two women. And that came out beautifully. So beautifully. And when you're doing a period episode that's supposed to take place in 19th century Europe, but you're shooting it... In the Caribbean. Yeah. It's a challenge. <laughs> there were, we were like, are we going to find, you know, the kind of architecture that we need? But we actually did. And it really came out so nicely. I mean, it's really beautiful. 
Yeah. So thanks to everybody who worked on these episodes. Who um, managed to get period. Yes, yes. Who managed to get period costumes. Yes. Yes. Um, to San Juan on very short notice. <laughs> yes. Yes. It wasn't easy pulling off that one. No. But it came out great. Survivalist was easier in terms of production because we were surrounded by jungle. So having him walk through the jungle was, was you know, that wasn't so tough. That was the easy part. Yes. And we should also say that this episode was directed by Laura Belsey, who did our other time travel yes. episode, which yes. was not on purpose. It no. just worked out that way. Yes. Okay, Sarah, it is time for our new Amplify segment in which we amplify the work of women and people of color. And this week we're amplifying a documentary called LFG. Yes. So this is a documentary you watched on HBO Max. It's a no-holds-barred inside account of the U.S. women's national team's ongoing fight for equal pay, which the fact that it's still an ongoing fight is just batshit crazy, but okay, it is. Um, so Liz, tell us about this amazing documentary. Okay, well, Sarah, I should say I came into this, I know nothing about women's soccer. I don't care about women's soccer. You know, I'm just not a sports person. <laughs> Or men's soccer. Or men's soccer, any <laughs> or any sport um, ever. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I was so, like, jaw on the floor as I watched this documentary about what the women's soccer team has gone through in trying to get yeah. equity. Now, I should say, the, I, of course, the first thing I said to Adam is, what does LFG stand for? We were watching it together. So I Googled it, and then they did end up explaining it. But LFG is, is the women's soccer team sort of motto, and it stands for let's fucking go. And that's what they say to each other. I think before games, you know, they just yell LFG. So that, I mean, kind of gives you a little bit of their attitude, you know, these women mm -hmm. like mean business and they have been insanely successful. I mean, they've won the World Cup. They are just incredible soccer players and they bring it all. And in, behind the scenes, they have this incredibly grueling battle going on, having to like fly to court and having to have these massive calls. And it talks about how they've all managed to stay on the same page because we know, you know, look, the Writers Guild is often in a position to have to fight the authorities to yeah. get what we feel we deserve. And it is so hard to have a group of people on the same page. And the players have managed to stay on the same page, which gives them strength, obviously. Yeah. But one reason I wanted to amplify it is not just because these women are amazing, which they are, but it points out just the insane sexism that still exists. And we all should watch this and like think about our own lives and where we're either dealing with sexism or accepting it just because we're so used to it. I yeah. think it's a really valuable documentary. And Liz, you were saying that it's, even though it's called <laughs> LFG, let's fucking go, it's actually something that I could watch with Violet, right? Like, yeah. that it's oh, yes. sort of an inspiring documentary. Yes. Let's, I'll tell you something. She's heard that word before. Yes. Um, so <laughs> These women are incredibly so, inspiring, incredibly inspiring yeah. for anybody. Um, I was so blown away by this women's soccer team. And I, I know everybody has always talked about how amazing they are. It's just something I hadn't clued into because I, again, not a sports person, but I, I really recommend this whether or not you're a fan. 
Awesome. Well, I will be watching it this weekend with Violet for sure. Um, And coming up, we have a Hollywood hack that just, it's very practical and small, but so helpful. (laughs) But first is break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for this week's Hollywood hack. Keep a stain stick where you undress. (laughs) Now... This comes from your life, from your experience, something you wanted to share with the world. Talk to us about this hack. Okay, well, I have to say, this is sort of a life changer, especially with a nine-year-old. We all know that kids just absolutely demolish their clothes when it comes to stains, right? And I am the person who will, like, put the clothes in the hamper, and then I get to the laundry room, by which time the stain is set, and you're just, like, write it off. Just write off that shirt, right? Because it's now going to just be stained forever. Okay. So... Now that Violet is going to a school without uniforms and she's coming home with these like really lovely clothes all stained, I have moved the stain stick to the bathroom, which is where we get undressed. Mm. And oh my God, it's like she came home, she has this really pretty green dress and it was just like, I don't know, let's say chocolate all over the front. And she, she wore white pants to school and came home with like grass stains all over the back, not just like little grass. I'm talking like from the butt to the ankle, right? But since the stain stick was in the bathroom, she just takes them off and then I just take it out from under the counter and stain stick it up, throw it in the hamper, and then the stains come out. It's like, oh my God, these things actually work if we utilize them (laughs) properly. It's funny because I think there are stain stick people and non-stain stick people. Like, I have literally never (laughs) used a stain stick once in my entire life. But, like, I know Adam (laughs) is, like, all about the stain stick. So what – do you have one to recommend for those of us who haven't ventured there? I do. And I also have to say, do not get a stain stick with a time limit for this hack, right? Because the gel or whatever the stain stick is, is going to be on your clothes for, in my case, days until I do laundry, right? Um, So if it says, like, leave it on for 10 minutes and then throw it in the wash, that's not a good one. But I use the OxyClean gel stick. um, And it's like a gel comes out and you kind of rub it in. And it's totally fine, in my experience, to leave it on there for as long as you need to leave it on before you do laundry. And it totally works. Okay, and the key to this hack is where you keep it. And you're saying keep it where you undress, not in the laundry room. Make it convenient. Exactly. If you undress, yeah, if you undress in the closet, put it in there. If you undress in the bathroom, put it in there. If you, for some reason, undress in the laundry room, keep it there. But just, it needs to be, yeah, it's the uh, strategy of convenience. Yes. Gretchen, my sister talks about that all the time, and it really is true. Yep. It is so true. All right, that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, Chuck Reed, king of remote recording. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Listen to the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing with Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. 
get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S and Liz is at Liz craft. We also have a Facebook group search for happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation until next week. I'm Liz craft and I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job and we enjoy it. Did you fan out on the Merwo's Place, ladies? Oh, totally. We did. I mean, Sarah, I will say one of my great regrets is we did not get a selfie with them. We were, like, too intimidated to ask for a selfie. Plus, they look so great, you know. <laughs> I wasn't that interested in standing yeah. next to them. But our, like, you know, on-set gear. It's just not yes. glamorous at all. <laughs> no. They are. We were not. From the Onward Project.